Hello, welcome to another episode of Black Woman's Hour. Um, that creepy Dalek American voice really, really me out there. I've never heard it before. So sorry, we were just taking a moment. Uh, yeah, welcome to this show. This is a show that people have been asking us to do for quite a while. And I have resisted so far because the topic's getting messier and messier. But essentially, uh, we are here today to talk about racism, left-wing racism, really, or socialist racism, whatever you want to call it. People who identify as socialist or left-wing or whatever, and how racism manifests itself in their spaces. Uh, Aisha, my trusty sidekick, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How's everyone else? We've got a lot of guests today, haven't we? We do, we actually do. We had to try and represent as many people as we could. So Aisha, what have you been up to? Everyone wants to know about your swimming. We have to talk about Aisha's sea swimming. No, swimming this week, the sea has been absolutely crazy. Like, I think the swell has been about like 10 foot, which is not, I mean, I don't go in when the swell is three foot, let alone 10 foot. So, I mean, just driving past the sea and you can just see for like, 30 or 40 metres out, it's just tumultuous and white. So I haven't been in for probably about a week now. So, you know, but don't worry, it's back down. So I think someone went in yesterday, but I was at work. So I'll hopefully be going in tomorrow. We'll post pics. <laughs> we have a couple of former guests. We have the hello heartthrob. Hi, Taz. Oh, I, don't rec I don't respond to that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anymore? <laughs> anymore? What made you stop responding to it? People are saving that on their phones as my number. <laughs> you see, it's it's see, causing problems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Are we causing problems? But, but others, and I don't know. Uh, so, oh, well, that's gossip. We'll hear about that. <laughs> um, I want to hear about that. Mikey, Mikey Walsh. Hi. And, uh, you know, I can't even. The swearing connoisseur. That's me, I, the guy who swears too much. I'm here representing the uh, Gypsy Roma and Traveller community. I don't think there's, there's we're, we're dead. There's none of us left. <laughs> there's a few. <laughs> we're holding on. Oh my goodness. Oh wait, we froze him. So yeah, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, Holly, I've been trying to get Holly on for ages. Hi, Holly, how's it going? Really good, thank you. Well, as well as it can be. I, um, yes, it's been a difficult few weeks. Sorry, I'm trying to... It has been a difficult few weeks. It has been pretty, pretty bad um, for yeah. lots of reasons we'll go into. Uh, we have Tony, also known as Mimi's godfather, also Hi, known everyone. as... as uh, the... in a pinned tweet on Twitter that tells people what not to do and they just completely disregard it. How's it going? Great, thank you. Really interesting show right. coming up, isn't it? Do, yeah. do you want to quote some of your bio? See, we ticked a lot well, of boxes with Tony. Yeah, I mean, so my bio says that I am a, a gay Jewish trade unionist who supports Corbyn and voted Remain, right? And then my pinned tweet says, all of that stuff there is just to see whether you think you can fire any gotcha questions at me um, and you know whether whether I should basically have different politics to what I've got and even though people see it they always do it so people look and they go oh gay supports Palestine let's talk about Hamas then every time <laughs> so yeah it's uh it, it never fails yeah I always see that I saw one yesterday it was like yeah 
go and be gay in Gaza then. <laughs> it's like, he was in Gaza and he was still fucking gay. All right. So it's amazing uh, how people get uh, so concerned about gay rights suddenly, isn't it? I know, exactly, exactly. We have Ed Paul, Ed Paul, who was, Ed, I wanted you so badly to be an MP. You were nearly there. Yeah, I mean, probably not as close as uh, people think, but I was, I was, wasn't even really the necessarily the first choice left candidate in Enfield North. We just hadn't got right together, really. Everyone's always going to be the first choice. Thank you. Everyone thought it was going to be a women's only seat, so we nobody really considered what they're going to do. None of the, the women who were kind of at the forefront in the left in Enfield North wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to do it, so we didn't know we didn't have a candidate really at all. And then because uh, trade unionists wanted to stitch it up, they made it a, a open selection. So we were like, uh, "Who's going to do it?" And we didn't really know. No, everyone involved had kind of not everything you want. Everyone was a bit short somewhere, so I ended up on the list. Yeah, but. Um, yeah. But you're quite, you were quite heavily involved in politics and would just, you describe yourself as left wing? Yeah, definitely. Socialist? Yeah, yeah socialist, trade, not really a trade unionist, but from a trade unionist background, I can't find out all my branches of my trade union because they're rubbish, but I've been trying to find out for a few years. I don't know if that counts as a trade unionist. And Tony, you're a trade union rep, right? Yeah, for the RMT. I'm a train driver on the underground uh, and I represent train drivers for the RMT union. And Holly, are you involved in politics at all anymore? No, I'm just the gobshite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joining I, your party. I, I am still a Labour member, but mainly because um, I can't find my online banking details to cancel my direct debit. <laughs> You're paying Keith. I know. And I'm very upset about it. <laughs> You're paying Keith to close parks. Basically, I know, but basically I got a new phone and then like all my like online banking details was all synced to that old phone and now I've got to re-enter all my passwords and I can't fucking find them. So um, I'm a Labour member by default at the minute. <laughs> I hate no, that. That's really bad. Look, I've got my old campaign jumper still on. Like I should actually, like, I should actually write our bastards underneath of it and then it would be all right. It's washing day, so I, I, that's my excuse. Or a ritual burning. I bought, I bought a Labour waterproof that I wore for canvassing in, in the last general election. I'm just, I was expecting to wear that for the rest of my life and now it's just like, yeah, maybe a ritual burning might be the Now the dogs play with it and piss on it. Yeah. So uh, Taz, Taz is a lawyer. And yeah. uh, would you call yourself left wing? Are you any? Are you politically affiliated with anybody? Yeah, mm, not not anymore. No, I sort of like Jeremy Corbyn because he was a truth teller, and I think that's what was needed in politics. Mm. Um, but in terms of left and right, I'm all over the place with various different issues. All I know is I hate Pretty Patel with a passion. <laughs> First mention, Pretty mm -hmm. Patel. Yes, every week, everyone who watches this, every single week. We do, Pretty Patel comes into it just because of her behavior. We have long since wanted a week where we do not have to listen to anything or mention her or, you know, but every week she just outdoes herself. Then we can see you. Just how many gumboats do we have? Like how many gumboats and how many raids do we have every week that she's, she's involved in, you know, sending out the mood or, or like going to arrest someone somewhere. She loves it. We spoke about this on this show before, where they'd asked um, uh, MPs what they did to get through the, the lockdown days. And I think Richie Sunak had thanked his maid 
for cooking him lemon drizzle every day at four. And Liz Truss had spoken about uh, pizza and beer and stuff after Brexit negotiations. Somebody said something else and Pretty Patel goes, I go on dawn rage with the police. I will show these criminals. We're not gonna stand for it. And you're like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with this woman? I don't know. I think I she, watched too much, she watched too many James Bond films and identified with the baddies, basically. Honestly, I, I think that is true. Cause she's all, she's so, she's a caricature. She's like something out of a really bad film. And I don't know, it, I don't know. Cause you look at all the toys and you think to themselves, have you got no friends to tell you? And then you remember their toys and you think, no, they have no friends. So, she turns uh, up at people's doors though. She turns up at people's doors with this crowd. She's like, what if Jeremy Beadle was a Nazi? I want to do that. <laughs> she just kind of shows up with this gang to just like, no, this isn't a prank. You're fucked. And I'm here in my, in my riot gear to come and get you. You know? It's disturbing though. It's really disturbing. Cause I remember like, then people in those jobs, isn't she actually getting in their way? Do you know no. what I mean? Like surely, you know, something could kick off there and they don't need an extra person there who's not trained or whatever. Why am I acting? They're police officers. They probably want. They probably. I was about to say, I'm acting like I've got sympathy for the border. Forget it. Never mind. Exactly. They chose that job. They probably think she is like brilliant. She's wonderful. They probably wank over her. You know, it's probably. They do. No, they do actually. She's. They do. We've set this. We've set the tone for this show. So, <laughs> I. Uh... Was that the first cut? <laughs> just, apparently, this in, amongst civil service, she she does something for them. I think. I think in terms of the operational civil service, they, they just get the whole bullying S&M treatment without having to pay for it. Um, that was the whole Margaret Thatcher thing, wasn't it? It was. Mm. Who that? Um, oh God, what's his name? It will come to me later. I have to probably have to look him up. Oh, fellow Darren who... Grimes. No, Tom something. He's quite... Tom Howard. That, Tom no, Tom the MP. He's a he's um, MP. Tom Tooth and Hat? No, 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 no. no. Is that the one who oh, died from oh. autoerotic asphyxiation with an orange in his mouth or something? No, 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 that's a long time ago. There's a, there's a modern, <laughs> all the Tory modern. He was, he was really nasty in the immigration debate, basically, and it was about the EU and stuff. It was just like loads and loads of Tories. And he wears his hair in this weird quiff thing sometimes. So he's like one of those Tories that thinks he's really cool. I know. I that, I've got the name, that's, maybe it's not that's Mr. Majika, isn't it, that one? <laughs> oh, you're talking about Michael Fabricant. Yeah, the, the that's like, I know that Michael Fabricant. You are the worst wig. Like it, where that's what I said that wig. You like robbed it from Alfie Turner. Like that. <laughs> I tweeted at him and said if he had more respect for black people, black women would have taken him down Stroudgoon Road to Pax and we could have helped him out with that shit. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's we'll a nice stay. big patch there. Would have been uh, a wig that suited him. Ben, sorry, you just joined us. Uh, we've all introduced ourselves. Uh, so Ben, we were talking about. Uh, would you identify as left wing socialist? Um, you identify? Yeah, I, I identify as left wing. I'm not affiliated to any particular political party. I suppose I'm left shit post adjacent, but um, yeah. All the best people are. Yeah. And yes, exactly. And you're Jewish as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I suppose I'd give a bit of insight into that, but well, yeah, with, with caveats that um, 
for my, I have a slightly different perspective because uh, one of my my parents who is Jewish is Israeli, and that's always brings its own different dynamics rather than being someone whose parents were just British uh, Jewish. Okay, I think um, yeah. So we'll get on to that really because we kind of want to speak about left wing racism. Um, <coughs> I think I think a lot of the the left are in denial that racism can. Uh, um, yeah, that racism really exists on the left because I think what has happened is people on the left, uh, everything's so binary, isn't it, in this world, right? So it's like male, female, good, bad. That's why they're going crazy about trans people and non-binary because they can't deal with it. You know what I mean? It's like, this isn't what we were taught growing up. So they, people don't realize that these things can manifest themselves in all kinds of different ways. So as far as they're concerned, they have this binary view of what left and right is. And saying that you're left wing or socialist or whatever, um, they think, well, we're the, not, we're the good ones. We're the not racist ones. We're the ones who, you know, we're on the right side of absolutely everything. And I think us from our wide range of backgrounds kind of know that that isn't actually true. And I think that the issue, it's raised its head before, particularly amongst black academics for years and years in America. Here, obviously you have Fanon who's in France. People have spoken about uh, liberals, if you want to call them that, um, you know, or talking Moderate. about these people being actually, sorry? Moderates, what? Martin Luther King called them. The yeah, moderate. The movement. Right, exactly. I think there hasn't been uh, a sort of black academic who hasn't talked about it and talks about how they kind of are the biggest hindrance for progress. What did Martin Luther King say? They prefer a kind of, neg they prefer negative peace rather than anything. So they've always got something to say. They've always quite paternal going, oh no, you're not going, uh, you know, the right way about fighting racism, blah, 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 blah. And so we've all had to put up with it. Um, and I think it's, because they believe that about themselves, they believe they are the good ones. Being told, hey, hold on a second, the way that you're behaving right now is, you know, it's steeped in racism. What you're saying right now is terrible. Like, the, you know, it's just little microaggressions. It's little uh, sort of comments that they make. Like the one I will get all the time is, oh, you're so aggressive. Oh my God, you're so scary. And it's just like, mate, I'm in my room on my bed. Do you know what I mean? I've got criminal minds on in the background. I'm not doing anything to scare you. You're like an anonymous account or whatever. And it's the constant accusations of aggression. Accu you know, the only thing they haven't done so far, which is probably coming is accusing us of shouting on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. And I think at the moment, the reason why, um, the subject is being spoken about is for about two months now on Twitter, there has been a, I don't even know what to call it, an interleft, intersocialist, whatever. To me, it's just like a racist thing. And I don't want to spend the whole time speaking about it because actually it's not important, really. The only reason I'm raising it is because it's a way, Twitter is obviously a little hub where lots of people gather and lots of people split off into lots uh, into their own tribes and stuff like that. And that's just one of the way it manifests itself. And I think personally, I mean, I speak to, to Ben and Tony first because most speak, I think 
What has got people so defensive is because during the quote unquote Corbyn years, 2015 to 2000, almost 2020, is when racism on the left became a uh, prevalent topic. And it became a prevalent topic and it wasn't really anti-black racism that people were speaking about. It was anti-Semitism. And uh, I don't know, Tony, I'll just ask you quickly for, so you would say you supported uh, Jeremy Corbyn, right? Yes, I did, yeah. You supported, how did you feel like in the, those five years? Did you feel that anti-Semitism had grown more common? It was more prevalent? I mean, it was put on the map you know, it was front stage and set, it was front and centre stage in a way it hadn't been for years. I, it's personally, it'll be interesting to see whether Ben agrees or disagrees with me because it, it's, I mean, in the, in the Jewish community, there, there's no like um, consensus of opinion at all. But I, I've never experienced sort of overt anti-Semitism in my life. Um, but being where I work on the underground and with the political circles I move in, I see tons of anti-black, anti-Muslim racism. So when this started coming up um, and, you know, the mural stuff, the, all this stuff from years ago, it was such bad faith. And I never felt that stuff was rising. The, the narrative that's now is that Jeremy Corbyn made Labour anti-Semitic. The, the, the idea is that it wasn't anti-Semitic, then it became anti-Semitic and now it's not anti-semitic anymore you can't take that seriously there is obviously anti-semitism on the left but thankfully we don't we don't suffer it the way that a black person might suffer racism we don't get scared walking down the street if we see the police for example uh, i'm not worried about getting sacked from a job because of my name i know that i'll get an interview if i put an application in because i don't you know you know the way some african names guarantee you won't get an interview for jewish people don't suffer that we get we get called a lot of names, obviously. We get, um, we get accused of a lot of things, but I don't think it actually materially affects our lives. Right-wing anti-Semitism, of course, does, you know, the physical attacks on Jews and stuff like that. But so when I'm, when I'm looking at this idea that Labour has become an anti-Semitic party, and at the same time, Muslims are getting attacked, black people are getting attacked, I can't take it seriously. The problem for me then is that that means that people ignore the actual anti-Semitism on the left. And one of the things that's really polarised people is you, you basically get people saying there is no anti-Semitism. It was all made up. And that's a real problem. And that's that's part of what happens when you do bad faith anti-racism like the Labour right has done for five years. What about you, Ben? Did you feel it in the last five years? Were you a Corbyn supporter? Uh, I did uh, vote for him both times. And uh, I mean, I, there's not much I can disagree uh, uh, with with about it with Tony's analysis, I think yes, the, there's there's two things going on here. There's the um, like the bad faith attacks, um, and this to me was very much um, uh, it started with the Palestine Solidarity Movement back in the in the nineties and the two thousands, and it's suddenly become very in in since Corbyn took over, it became very mainstream. It became mainstreams in that time. So something that was very much a, a very marginal um, uh, but long-running issue suddenly became, uh, uh, appeared in people's consciousness. Um, the, the second thing is that, as, as Tony has stated, yes, there is anti-Semitism on the left. And you do find people who have 
hold stereotypes and uh, they've internalized stereotypes and negative um, uh, impressions about Jews and Jewish community. Um, but to say that um, this was enabled by the, the election of Jeremy Corbyn to me is not, uh, yeah, it does not hold true at all. So would you both say that anti-Semitism on the left is just something that's always been there and probably always will be there because it doesn't exist in a vacuum, does it? No, I think it's very much a reflection of wider society. And uh, I think it's also a reflection of, of uh, say, Labour's uh, history as well. So Labour is not, is not implicitly an anti-racist party. Right. So, okay. So um, you don't think Labour is generally a, a, a racist party? No, all? no, I don't think um, implicitly, I don't think it's an anti-racist party. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm gonna have to undo all that. Um, so how do you feel, Taz, like about racism on the left? Because a lot of it, um, I mean, geez, Muslims have been through it since, for the last 20 years, essentially, since 9-11. There has been so much Islamophobia. And, you know, if Baroness Warsi is calling it out, and she's, she famously said it after the dinner table test, I mean, I see it all the time. Everybody sees it. But I think it's, you know, people always try and justify it, won't they? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a fairly complex thing on the left because the left wing of politics are the, are the group that really drove uh, anti-racism in the 1990s. Uh, up in 1997 to, to, to get laws on the books that, that really did damp down the worst exegies of, of racism. But that, that was the type of racism where it's direct discrimination in terms of workplace, uh, and it's also the thuggery type of racism on the street. There were these extra penalties that were given um, if, if you've got uh, public order matters or assault matters, and they are aggravated by racial racial um, racial motivation. So that that was that was that was the Labour Party did that really. And then uh, then we got Tony Blair coming. It was fine for a bit. And then we had this entire war on terror narrative, which effectively created a window of acceptable racism. And that was Islamophobia. And through that, then grew this you know the the the, the dragon that had been suppressed was then let out of the box once again. And actually, very unsurprisingly, we see people like Tommy Robinson, who um, brought up the EDL, uh, basically was giving narratives to the public about how to be racist, but framing it within a religious context. All of a sudden, Black Lives Matter comes, comes on, um, and then Tommy Robinson's quite clearly anti-Black Lives Matter. So it was a mask that slipped because of the issue of, of, uh, of Black Lives Matter coming up where they, they dropped the mask on the fact that they're trying to trying to just uh, label or, or, or sort of frame their racism in a sort of religious way. And that's very much grew through Tony Blair and the neo uh, the, the neoliberal movement in, in uh, on the left, really. And that's why it was acceptable. I kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I never saw Tommy Robinson as being pro-black or anything at all. I always had thought of him as a massive racist. I never really thought Black Lives Matter, which really only, only came to the forefront like in 2020. I'd always seen him as anti-black and stuff. I agree, like, obviously, you know, I've seen, yeah, the way that um, Islamophobia is framed is always, uh, well, 
how can we be racist? Islam's not a race, which is the most disingenuous argument that you ever want to hear because obviously, Sikh, you know, white Muslims don't get attacked in the same way and Sikhs get attacked, you yes. know, and Hindus get attacked. So it's clearly racialized. But do you think Islamophobia on the left and the right manifests itself differently? Yeah, and no, I would say it certainly does. I mean, I think, I think it's still important to recognise that um, the narrative of the right wing is a little bit more complex than it used to be. It's not the BNP, which are just, you know, uh, pretty straightforward, thug, you know, thugs who just hate everybody. Um, the EDL are, are a different animal, or, or those who follow that are a different animal, because you see Islamophobia and anti-Semitism tend to work together, you know, uh, in lockstep. You see an increase in anti-Semitism, you'll see an increase in Islamophobia. It's the same sort of people hating the two groups pretty much similarly. Um, but then we've got this really weird scenario where I've, I've literally just come from a pro-Israel rally um, outside the Israeli embassy, and Tommy Robinson's there, standing with the, you know, the Israeli supporters, which is not the natural position. You never see somebody on the BNP doing that in the past. So it's a little bit more fluid. Um, this is quite a long running thing with the BNP in Israel. Nick, Nick Griffin has been pro-Israel for um, since, the, since the mid 2000s. Uh, um, yeah, but he, he, um, he quite famous, Nick Griffin quite famously before he let, uh, you know, stepped down, he was uh, approached by bankers uh, to fund him basically. And, and they asked him to, to uh, focus more on being Islamophobic and not to mention banking and the tropes that go with uh, anti-Semitism. And he actually refused that. I think he's, that's when he's gone off um, in, in, and left the, the BNP for other reasons as well. But um, if he's coming back, he's, he knows that the lie of the land is somewhat different and he has to orientate himself for that. It's so, they're so confused though, the EDL. I think we mentioned on this before, like they had this massive trick which they were gonna play. So what they did was they got bacon and they rubbed it on like money and then they put it back in circulations as a massive gotcha to the Muslim community. It's like, it's not kryptonite at number one, it's nothing's gonna happen to them. And number two, it's like, you've got an Israel division. Do you not think rubbing pork on stuff? Like they just don't, they just don't even understand what they're doing half the time. I think but that I does raise a, a point about the difference between racism on the left and racism on the right. On the left, Islamophobia doesn't manifest itself in that way at all, but it tends to manifest itself much more as refusing to listen to people, refusing to support people, making really bad assumptions about what Muslims do and want and believe. Uh, whereas it, it wouldn't it wouldn't manifest itself in violence, for example, you wouldn't get left wing people physically attacking Muslims. But as I'm sure other people would say, sometimes, at least with the right wing, you know exactly where you stand. But with the left, it's often very much more sinister and you, you don't know, you know that they're not going to be allies when you need it. Yeah, I think, yeah, the, I mean, I can't speak on it, but just from what I've seen, I mean, Muslim women, especially, if they choose to cover up, if they choose to wear hijab or if they choose to wear niqab, then the left will go, that's not fair. Oh, you know, for, you know, they'll impose their own ideals onto a different community and go, they should be able to walk free and uncover themselves. And it's like, you know what I mean? I don't want to leave me alone kind of thing. Uh, Mikey, you are from the GRT community. Yeah. There's so many communities who go, this would never happen to any other community. And I, at this point, think the only community who has the right to say this is the GRT community. 
to be on it from what I've seen. I mean, I saw this video and it was uh, um, travelers drinking in a pub and the woman had called the police and the police came, it was really nasty. And they came to remove the travelers from the pub who were doing absolutely nothing. And the guys were sort of reeling out the race relations acts and said, we're protected by this legislation. The police were like, we don't care, get them out of it. I mean, it is, it's bad. It is really, really bad. And I think there's different groups of people who, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, so especially on the left, they don't really want to be seen saying anti-black stuff. They'll do it in different slyer ways. Do you know what I mean? But I think when it comes to GRT community, it's just all out there. Am I wrong? It's like, so this, I've, there's something that it's like, it's something like, I grew up with anyway. So all the stuff, it's it's so funny, like when people, so I mean, look on, on the video now, you can see like I'm pretty white passing, a lot of my family aren't, but when we're all together, it, they, they'll always say, oh, you can't tell. I'm like, yeah, but you can tell when you want to chuck us all out of a pub or out of a restaurant, whatever else, you know? And um, so I grew up with that. It was very, very common that you would, uh, you know, that's why I was joking earlier on about us being dead and gone, because I feel that we're, we are gra we've been gradually getting wiped out and spread out more and more and more. And this is the thing with this bill right now feels like the very last, the very last scattering of us because even our sites have been took away now. And all we've got is our community literally being moved from one council's problem to another, not given any resources, not given any help. All you've got is communities getting together and getting you chucked off. So this is something I've seen constantly. And then since the policing bill and going on about that, how this policing bill basically is to, it's, it's to remove our way of life. And even with amendments, the eradicating of like gypsies and travellers here, it is still staying it. Like GRT, gypsies, Roma travellers, but it's mainly Romani gypsies and Irish travellers you see here. And um, so that's been made more of a thing of, but what I've been finding a lot at the moment is I constantly get told that being what I am is a slur. And it's so fucking insulting. Because like when you get people, like I've had people in me DMs saying that what I am is a slur. I've been sent memes telling me what I am is a slur. And I just think, like where the, like and it's literally because you've got these and this is a left wing thing because it's mainly people that go around looking for to basically quote tweeting people for offense retweets do you know what i mean by that like when yeah. somebody like they 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 literally go fishing for somebody that's causing them offense and then try and get a pile on so obviously you look at my profile and look i've got i am a gypsy and I've written two books with Gypsy in the title. I like, I'm very fucking proud of what I am. But what, but the problem is, is that you'll see some arsehole go, come on my Twitter and see that I've got Gypsy written on it. And they're like, oh, he's a racist. So I'll wake up at like seven in the morning and I've got some American kid has organized a pile on, on me full of memes calling me a racist for being a Gypsy, for saying I'm a Gypsy. And they're like, and then I've got these memes. Like, I mean, I've been sent one like about 30 times now saying, Gypsy, it doesn't mean 
uh, free-spirited vagabond. I'm like, no, it fucking doesn't mean free spirit. I'm not, and I, and I keep saying it, I'm not fucking Winnie the Pooh. You know, like I'm a gypsy. Like the, the word gypsy has been around for hundreds of years. So have we, but 30 seconds of a Google search some turd has written that the uh, that Nazis made up the word or something crap like that. And so rather than doing any research, that's what I get constantly. And it's always from someone who is on the left, but calling, right. you know, calling me a racist. And I'm like, or, or I have people that aren't gypsies trying to tell me that I like that what's racist and what isn't in my own community. And then on top of that, I have a lot of people that are Labour councillors and stuff as well saying, oh, but there are a lot of you that are like that, though. Oh, but there are some of you like that, though. I'm like, I don't compare all of you to Myra Hindley. You tell me how many gypsy serial killers there are in this country, because you can't fucking tell me one. But that's what gets me upset, because that's as stupid as the argument always is. But this is something for me. That... Sorry. I was just going to say no, this I was gonna say, so I know, every week. The left yeah. So the, the way it manifests itself on the left is how I kind of find it as a black woman is they like to tell you what you are, what you must do, um, how you must behave. It's like, well, you're not going to get very far with that attitude, are you? And it's just the uh, what I like to call the left racist other. Remember what we've done for you people. Where would we be without us? You know, behave yourselves. You know, it's that kind of patronizing attitude so it's kind of interesting to sort of hear it I don't know if anti-semitism is done in the same kind of way because I've got a friend on there called Tanya and all she has to do is tweet something and they go what about Israel do you know what I mean so I don't know if it's like do you find as Jewish people you're corrected as to what your views must be or should be or is it just straight up one of the things that I find, actually, and I don't know if other minority communities have this, I find myself sweating over every verb I use, because, but not, not because of non-Jews, but because of, well, actually, yes, sorry, because, because of centrists and moderists and right-wing Jews. So that's basically a lot of the Labour Party that were doing the anti-Semitism stuff. You know, you, you could never say things like, you people. You know, uh, what's wrong with you people, meaning Labour, because it'll instantly be piled on as you're talking about Jews. And I find that, you know, you, I have to be careful of every single thing that I write just in case it's taken the wrong way. And I, f I felt very silenced over the last few years. As loud as I can be, I felt silenced by the fact that I was being attacked from the right, not so much from the left, when it comes to being corrected like you're talking about. And I see that all the time. I've never had anyone do the kind of, how, how can you speak to me like that after all the support we've given you? You know, I, I never, I never get that. So, I mean, uh, as I was saying, like at the beginning, people find it really hard to accept that and that the anti-blackness or uh, anti-Semitism, any kind of racism exists on the left. And Ed, you are a white English guy on the left with, uh, you're not Jewish, you've got no seasoning at all, have you? So, my granddad was Jewish, but I don't think he was even raised as, as Jewish. So it's, as far as I know, as English as is possible. So what I find, like, they won't listen to us. But, well, we're black. We're just simple. We, we can't talk for ourselves. We, you know, we have to be told because, you know, we're just not so bright. We have to be told. But when I see someone like you 
who is online as a, a regular white guy trying to speak to people about this, why do they get so vicious with you? Do you think? I think, I think there's, um, well, people, I think there's, people have a self-image, don't they? On, on the left, you have a self-image. One of the things I learned on Twitter, I spent my first kind of six months on Twitter getting my ass handed to me because I was sticking my nose into conversations about race with a kind of Marxist class reductionist kind of take saying, you know, white people don't really benefit from racism and that sort of thing. And just getting slapped about all over the place by people kind of educating me. And I think a lot of people on the left feel like um, they're, they're decent people. They don't, they're not consciously kind of a racist. They're not a racist person in their, their eyes. Um, and you get that kind of white fragility where they see being called a racist as abuse. They see it as an insult because you, they see it as an attack on, on their self-image. Um, they don't see things like, say, my gran might say, Ed, where's, where's your coloured friend? And I'll go, gran, we, we don't say that. Actually, I mean, it's black, it's, you know, it's not appropriate. My gran doesn't go, oh, my God, like, how dare you call me a racist? She goes, oh, sorry, I didn't, you know, I'm 60. I didn't realise I was grabbing at the 40s. Um, but the left will go, they'll, they lose their minds if you call them racist. They don't say, hang on, maybe I'll, I need to look at what I'm doing. And, you know, instead of it being, if you said to somebody, um, you know, you're driving erratically, they wouldn't, I mean, some of them might, but they wouldn't go nuts and take it as a personal affront. But if you say, look, on this, this word maybe is inappropriate or you're kind of talking down or, you're, you know, maybe look at this from a different angle, they see it as an attack on, on who they are. And I think that's especially after the last five years of, of people being attacked on the left. I think people are so defensive and so sensitive, but, but, but it's always been there, I think. But the problem with that is the big problem where I think maybe a disagree with some other people from who might have more experience with this, but one of the things I witnessed is somebody, I handle complaints professionally. One of the parts of my job is, is answering and dealing with complaints. And those are complaints of uh, racism towards staff and racism from staff towards patients. I work in a GP surgery. Um, and one of the things I think we create on the left with this kind of white fragility and this oversensitivity is an environment, is a toxic environment for raising concerns about racism. And that is racist. That's institutionally racist. I've got a small dog fight going on behind me. Bear with me. So if you're saying, if you're a Jewish person or a black person or anybody who has concerns about discrimination and you're raising them and the left go nuts and come down on you like a ton of bricks. That's a, a racist environment because people can't sleep, speak about their concerns about their experiences. So you've created an institutionally racist environment by being oversensitive. Um, Holly, would you agree with, with that as someone on the left? Do you think, has it been like this before? Do you think it's the last five years that has got everybody on edge and not wanting to accept any accusations of racism or do you think it was always there have you found a difference because you've been attacked quite a lot yeah it's always been there um i think there's like two different there's like you can separate it out like the last five years and then the longer history of the left and i think if you talk about the longer history of the left um the biggest lie that we've told ourselves is that we are inherently and explicitly anti-racist like you know if you look at like the trade union movements i'm sure tony will be more clued up on this than i am but people look at the trade union movement and they like to look at things like um the lancashire cotton mill uh, workers that went on strike and refused to leave and touch the cotton coming from um the american south 
in support of the abolition of slavery. And like the look at these like moments of international solidarity where that's our movement. But unfortunately, like the history is more checkered and more nuanced than that. So like a lot of trade unions actually supported the openly supported even like the colour bar in British industry. So there's like, yeah, moments of international solidarity and anti-racism, but there are also moments of like really openly racist attitudes and policies um, such as, you know, prioritising white workers over, you know, black and Asian workers when it came to like um, companies laying workers off. So there would be the expectation that the black workers would get laid off first and that white workers would get prioritised in that situation. So there's like in the trade union movement, there's that situation, but then even in the political arm of the trade union movement, the Labour Party, well, <laughs> there's an awful lot of racism that's gone on there and you don't have to look too far back into history to see that. And I think sometimes like even when racist issues have happened on the left, there's this kind of idea, it's like, oh, well, that was the, you know, the bad old days and, you know, we're better now. But, you know, it's still an issue. And I think the problem with it is, is that when you really, like, assume this identity of being anti-racist, um, it really... What does it... Well, I suppose, really, people aren't actually unlearning the socialisation of racism in our society, they're just assuming that they're anti-racist without actually having done uh, the gone, undergone a, a process of unlearning. And I think that's really true. And so when like the situation that's been unfolding lately and they go, ah, I'm, I'm the real anti-racist, <laughs> you know, in response to um, black people, sort of saying, you know, like we're experiencing racism on the left. Like it's just really counterproductive. But I think what's happened in the last five years is that because um, bad faith actors did seize upon uh, the issue of anti-Semitism, which is a real issue, but they tried to weaponize it for political reasons. And they were actually interested in tackling anti-Semitism, some of these bad, bad faith actors. So that's led to kind of a sense of conspiracy that like everything, any kind of like issue that's raised uh, within the left is automatically a psyop. <laughs> and that, you know, like it's not a real issue. And no, we don't have racism on the left and it's this constant abjection of um, what's going on really and a refusal to uh, confront it. Yeah, I think you raised a couple of really good points there. I think they do, people on the left do get stuck in, um, like this sort of time warp where we did this and that's that that's the end of it you don't have to keep going back and doing anything good it's like this is our flagship moment this is what we've done and then i also have found i mean even in comedy like um people are very good at recognizing racism and stuff over there so like you'll have someone like amir Rahman who can't work in australia at all because he talks about racism in Australia, but you bring him here, he's an absolute God. You know, you take him to America, he does so, so well, because they're laughing at the people over there. So I think a lot of times when you bring racism into somebody's personal sphere or a movement or something that they do, or something they're attached to, then they get their defenses up. You know, it's like if you say 
something about, oh, white people, then you will always hear that I'm white, I'm not like that, I'm white, this isn't about, do you know what I mean? As opposed to if somebody says something like, oh my God, axe murderers, you know, I mean, I don't go, what do you mean by that? Do you know what I mean? I don't assume you're talking about me. Okay, if they want to say black women, axe murderers called Ava, I'm just going to keep walking because it wasn't me. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But seriously though, it would be like, I wouldn't jump and get upset about that, but they tend to take it very, very personally. Um, I'll ask uh, just Ed and Holly, like, what is it? Like, why do white people react so strongly to any accusation of racism? Because like, I can be aware that maybe something I might say might be homophobic it might be Islamophobic, it might be anti-Semitic, it might be, and you go, oh, really? Or like, I, oh, there's certain words that you might use, do you know what I mean? That you don't think that have any connotations to them. You might not even know the history of the phrase. I think even Holly taught me soul down the river. I didn't even know what that meant. Do you know what I mean? I was like, what? You know what I mean? Like, so you get that. Or like one that I realized was race, was Japsai. I didn't know what that was till I wrote it down. You didn't know that that was racist. It never occurred to me. It never occurred to me until I wrote it down. And um, I was actually writing it in a, a threatening letter to someone, but then I was like, oh my God, Jap's eye. Oh my God. I was like, if you want something down your Jap's eye. And I went, Jap's eye is so racist. Like, but you know, it's like when you realize it and you, do you know what I mean? It's not so offensive, but what is it? Because I think that is, one of, I could be wrong, it, it's one of the only accusations that I've seen that gets such a strong reaction. Do you know what I mean? I hear straight people being called homophobic all the time, but I don't seem to get as mad as white people do when people might suggest something they've done is racist. Just the condition of your threatening letter with that word in it, I'm like, what were you threatening to do? <laughs> I think, something I think was the, going in there, definitely, Mikey. Something was going in there, 100%. He deserved it. I think the correct term is, is dick nostril now. I think that's what we're supposed to I think that's the correct term. Thank you. Thank oh, you. I like that one. That's a good one. Um, I think people, it's a, it's a personality thing. I think there's two things. Like you say, people see it as so black and white. So they see it as if you're being accused of, of doing something racist, that you're a racist person, that in your core, your person is is hateful and discriminatory. And they, I think that's a big part of it is, is you're saying I'm a racist. So you could say, uh, that's a bit racist. And someone's like, I'm not racist. Well, even, even as we see this big Twitter spat that you've alluded to unfolding, most people aren't even being called racist. They're just being asked not to support racism. But they're saying their defense is, I'm not a racist. Why are you calling me a racist? And if you look back over it, for most of it, until they keep insisting on that, most people aren't calling them racist. They're just saying, don't support racists. And then that developed into a thing like, why are you so keen on supporting racists? It's, you know, it's starting to look a bit weird. Like maybe. Seriously. Almost as if you care more about the racist feelings and the exactly. black women that they were attacking's feelings. Exactly. Um, Which would so make think, you a racist, by the way, just in case anyone needed that clearing up. Um, so I think that's that's one of the things is people see it as an attack on their, you know, whether they're a good person or not. And I don't know why that's so specific to white people. I guess maybe because I do. we don't have that kind of... Um, we, ha we don't get that kind of questioned all the time about our, our, our characters in the way perhaps a lot of victim, people who experience racism do all the time. So. You're in a very multicultural um, environment, Ed, and you probably always have been, right? Have you? 
Yeah, so I grew up, well, I was born in Brighton, but I grew up in Tottenham, so I went to... I going to say, Brighton's not multicultural. No, no. So, Tottenham, um, Tottenham's pretty multicultural. Tottenham is. Uh, Holly, where you live, is there much diversity? You're, you're up north. <laughs> there is, I'm not, not going to say where you, I was about to say, but I'm not going to say where you live because these people are cray-cray. <laughs> there is actually, um, in the first primary school that I went to, it was really multicultural, uh, like um, loads of black, Asian, Muslim, Jew. it was like a proper melting pot. And my mum and dad were a little bit concerned about my educational attainment. And so it chucked me off to the um, a school a couple of blocks up the way. And um, there was like two black kids and it was such a culture shock. I was like, oh, this is like, you know, cause I just wasn't used to it at all. Like, you know, growing up, like it was really multicultural. Um, but then, you know, it's in pockets in where I live. So like there are pockets of multicultural, um, you know, society going on. And then there's really, really white areas. And yeah, a lot of racism. I'm not going to lie, but you know, it it is a, an issue here. So in those but pockets, no. is it is it offensive? Like, do people react in that same way in those? Is it a badge of honour if someone goes, "You're a bit racist," or is it like a, uh, you know, we, we we is there still that strong reaction to it? Like, we are not racist. Yeah, um, there is, and I think really. Like when white people get called out on racism, from my experience, what I think it is, it's like um, the immediate response is to censor themselves and their feelings. Because everyone knows racism's bad, right? I mean, like there's, you've got like the out and out, like EDL, BMP type people that like will wear it as a badge of honor. But then you get like the mainstream middle of the road people that may well have like racist views um, but they don't necessarily think that they are racist because like they've been socialized to think these things and the, you know, it's like kind of like an unthinking racism probably. So when they get called out on racism, their immediate response is, oh my God, I can't believe you would say that about me. Like I am a good person. Like what Ed commented on before, it's like, no, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not um, anywhere aligned with that kind of, you know, um, idea of what a bad person is, you know, racist, homophobe, and all of the rest of it. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's um, it's like the it, the mechanism of white supremacy is to center your white feelings rather than the black person that may be calling you out and saying, you know, what you just said is like really racist, and you really hurt my feelings. Like, oh my, like, and but their response is obviously. I'm not a racist in the sense of themselves. And I think that's like one of the main problems in the cycle what's obviously been happening lately on Twitter is there's been a lot of centering of white feelings and white hair and not the people that have been abused viciously for going on two months. Yeah. Aisha, what did you want to say? I wanted to bring. Um, I was just going to add to that. There's also, um, I know that the person who started it was when it was when Judy um, and that guy, Jamie Kay, was the main issue in the first I do want to I, I want to get to the Twitter thing um oh, I was just, oh go on sorry I was just going to add that then there was a lot of white women going on and that was just to add to Holly's thing about white supremacy there was a lot of white <laughs> women being like <laughs> and everyone having to go and save them because you know if there's anything that anyone needs to save it's a white woman 
because you know she's been being racist, but she needs saving, not the black woman who she's hurt. So I thought it's the most um, most potent weapon there is. I want to get to the, the sort of the Twitter thing and how it's manifests itself. But what I wanted to just do quickly before this, because I know it's an argument that has been used and I've seen it brought up. Um, we've spoken about before, Taz and Aisha has spoken about it with me on this show before, <laughs> is the rise of the black anti-black and the brown okay. anti-brown person. Do you know what I mean? Like the the like. Okay, so we can start at the top, and you've got the Sajid. Who is Islamophobic? Whatever you want to say about him. Do you know what I mean? He is horrendous. He might have been raised in a Muslim family, but that's where it stops and starts. We've got wait, wait, a wait, lot wait. of... He, he kisses his mum on the mouth, and that's just wrong. Oh, no. What? Why? I kissed my son on the mouth. Yeah, his age now. Uh, he did. In his, in, his, in his bid to become the leader of the Tory party, he did a video where his mum's doing samosas, and he kissed her on the mouth and thought... There's something very wrong with that. There is wow. at that age. It's just I, wrong. I, I've stopped. I stopped that. I remember having a whole period where I was like, "Well, Rohan is three or four. Oh, I can give you a kiss on the mouth. I can give you a kiss on the mouth." Then when he was about six, I was like, "Stop now." And even if I accidentally get close to him, be like, "Oh, mum, God," because he loves me. Mm. I, <laughs> exactly. Two <laughs> seconds. I need to come back to this. <laughs> But like, gen genuine question. I mean, I'm with you there, Taz. I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just just to just look at the, on the left of things. I mean, there there is there's a sort of assumption in the Labour Party and on oh, the left. Wait, you're going into a serious point, but I squeeze my son's cheeks together and kiss his lips. But how old is he? He's not a 45 year old wank um, banker. Sorry, um, <laughs> you know, with, with like chubby cheeks. I just go. Ooh. All right, that's my issue. Sorry, Taz, we were talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why kissing your mum on the mouth when you're in your late 40s and then videoing it somehow is going to make you attractive to the Tory, you know, voter base to make you leave. Know, they all loved Margaret Thatcher and wanted to, I don't oh. know, be hit with a handbag or told off by her or, right? It's probably all appeals, same kind of person. But Margaret but Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher here. Margaret are oxymoronic, aren't they? You just can't imagine Margaret Thatcher kissing anything, no? Apart <laughs> from Pinochet's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder how... Oh, no. You know what? I'm going to really start taking the tone down. Let me bring it up. Okay. Oh, never mind. Anyway. But I mean, like we have, before we get into this, because it is one of the arguments that is used in the Twitter thing is like, um, we do have brown people and black people who act against the interests of the majority. And we always have had those kinds of people. And do you think that how prominent they seem to be at the moment is changing the conversation on race at all? Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it is on the ground in reality. But I think we've got this real problem with, um, with A, I think that is an expression of, of racism in any political party, where the only type of person from a different background has to conform in a way that's sort of subservient to an existing paradigm. Yeah? So, you, you know, you've got, you've got the Sajid Javed, who's like not, you know, he, he's a chancellor, but only in, only in name he ended up having to resign. 
because he had no power. And then when Trump came, he was excluded from the dinner table, really. Um, and, th and that was a very you know, strong message. It's like, yeah, you, you, you can reach the upper offices, but not with any actual power, not with any actual acceptance, really. So that, that's another issue, but also that he subscribes to everything that is almost colonial in everything that's in the Tory party. And if you, if you subscribe to that sort of uh, rubric or that matrix of existence, then, then you're allowed to ascend. But if you don't, if you wanna hold on to the ideas of uh, different cultural values, maybe different weightings, um, and a focus on a community that isn't that isn't the the white majority, then then you're not you're not seen as a serious or in any way allowed to ascend. So it's sort of you know you have to give up your identity effectively. You, you can't give up your skin, so that's accepted, but you can give up your identity to ascend, and that's what a lot of these people seem to represent. I mean, like Pretty Patel again, hater, but um, her her dad was a UKIP candidate. I mean. That's fucked UK, up. Was it called BMP? No, no, UKIP. He was a UKIP candidate, you know. And this is a guy who's, you know, who's who's grown up at, throughout the seven uh, in the seventies and eighties in the UK, in in Tottenham, really. And how do you get from that to becoming a UKIP candidate, and then having your daughter like basically deport everybody, everybody? I know? thought he grew up in Uganda. He didn't. No, no, he no, he did grow up in Uganda, but he had a he had a shop up in Tottenham. Right, <clears throat> right. Um, you know, so I, mean, I find it like because these people are the ones that are pushed to the forefront of the conversation a lot of times. These kinds of black and brown people, and I think this whole I had someone saying it to me yesterday. Oh, am I the wrong kind of of black? Am I? I was like, no, you're just an idiot. Like literally, don't that whole thing came from the wrong kind of Jew, didn't it? Really. Um, over the last five years. So it was like to crush any kind of dissent amongst Jewish opinion, then they started saying, well, well, you know, Michael Rosen's the wrong kind of Jew or Dave Rosenberg's the wrong kind of Jew. Holly, did you see a lot of that? Yeah, I was just gonna say like, obviously the problem with these situations is, is that uh, white people tend to view um, being, for want of a better word, communities as monolith. And so you can't have a difference of opinion. So there's only going to be one like um, opinion that matters. But then a lot of white people, um, whether it's on the left or the right, will um, hold up this one person with the views that you know that um, that they ascribe to to delegitimise um, other voices and other opinions. And that happened, obviously, with Jews in the last five years, but also recently, like with black people, it's like, oh, well, you know, this black person says this, and so, you know, your your opinion is wrong. <laughs> and it's like, you know, there are varied opinions and views, and you can't just um, do that. So there's kind of like a pernicious way in which white people then weaponize differences of opinion, I think. 